0: Today on The Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right. uh, It's been fascinating watching things unfold south of the border. Uh, Donald Trump, we certainly know what the president's position has been on uh, COVID-19, downplaying it, uh, I guess at best, at one point calling it all a hoax, uh, saying that it was uh, no more deadlier than the flu uh... fast forward to a series of recordings uh, i think i believe eighteen in all eighteen sessions bob woodward had Uh, the famous uh, reporter, a Washington Post reporter who has since retired and has done many books on various presidents and such, and of course involved uh, uh, Woodward and Bernstein bringing down Nixon uh, during the Watergate era. So a very, very accomplished and recognized and awarded uh, journalist has uh, written another book on uh, Donald Trump. And the difference with this one is uh, Donald Trump sat down 18 times and had a phone call with bob woodward in that uh in those tapes in those phone calls in february and march uh woodward has actual recordings of donald trump uh, admitting that he is downplaying the virus that he was still downplaying the virus he did not want to create panic that's why he was doing it and uh obviously that has become uh come into question now as uh, 190,000 americans have died and many are questioning uh... the protocol that uh... that has been going on for the last six months and leadership or lack thereof let's bring in william galston former policy advisor to Prince, uh, president clinton and presidential candidates as an expert on domestic policy political campaigns and elections william is with us now william thank you for the time i hope you are doing well
1: well as well as you can be when you're stuck in eternal groundhog day uh, <laughs>
0: eternal groundhog day that's a great analogy i haven't heard that one uh thanks for the time we appreciate this what has been the fallout to all of this in the united states is this going to change anything uh or does this just solidify what your position uh was uh again saying something on tape completely different from what you're saying in public how is this playing out down in america
1: well to state the obvious it's it's not playing well uh the president has been forced on the defensive and interestingly uh there's been a deafening silence uh from other elected republican officials uh they can't think of any anything good or sensible to say in defense of the president so they're essentially saying nothing so from that from that standpoint it's an unmitigated disaster uh, but I think you, you touched on the, the right question, namely, will this make an electoral difference? And I have to say, I doubt that it's going to make a huge difference. And here, here's why. Uh, this, Donald Trump has been an in-your-face president. He's been a constant presence in people's lives uh from the moment he announced his candidacy and for every day of his presidency and people have formed very strong opinions about him positive and negative uh when you look at surveys there are remarkably few voters who say that they're undecided given the fact that the campaign has still almost 2 months to go uh the share of the electorate that's undecided is minute. So uh, I would be surprised if there were a huge downward lurch in the president's uh, job approval or the share of people who say they're going to vote for him uh, just because uh, so much of that is locked in by the president's polarizing personality and conduct.
0: So uh with this particular situation with the Woodward tapes and in and creating panic and, and not creating panic and such uh he is pretty much caught red-handed in the sense that here we they have him on tape saying these things and then obviously admitting something uh different to uh, the public. He, the prime minister. Or sorry, the uh, president saying the reason he's doing this not to create panic. Doesn't want to yell, everybody's dying. This sort of thing, as opposed to the opposite, which would be warning people to take precautions and perhaps, you know, find a different way to 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 survive this. The the uh, the idea of not creating panic. I- are people buying that? Is it uh, better to have no information than the right information?
1: I I don't think. I I don't think that many fair-minded people are going to be moved by that argument. I mean, obviously, the people who are supporting him through thick and thin will buy it because they buy everything. And, you know, uh, then-candidate Trump in 2016 told a deep truth. You know, when he said that he could go out to the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot someone, and his supporters would stick with him. Everybody thought that was hyperbole at the time. But I think it, it's, it has turned out to be literally true. So I don't, I don't expect many people who are now for him to shift away from him because of this. Right,
0: right. Uh, I, I just don't. What about the idea of the leader uh, supposedly trying to unite people during a crisis, whether it's a war, whether it's a pandemic, or what have you? Obviously, he is still very much... Uh, uh, separating uh, people, being very, very divisive. Can you compare what he was saying to Woodward? For example, a hurricane, a tornado, a wildfire. Obviously, people want information. They want to know what's going on in order to react. Uh, Wouldn't he he withholding the sort of information on the pandemic be similar to withholding emergency information when a disaster is coming? I mean, you don't want to panic people either, but you also want to have them prepared. Is that an accurate analogy?
1: Absolutely. Look. You know you can ask the seven the, the same question ten times yeah it gives you the same answer yeah. right in you know in in a world that corresponds to logic and common sense as you and I would understand it you know this would be this would be a devastating blow uh, but the people who are in favor of Donald Trump's re-election believe that he's fighting, for their interests and their values against dark, yeah. negative forces, you know that want to take over the country uh, and change it fundamentally and displace them. Uh, this is this is very visceral. So many people have used the term existential. Right? You you may recall that in the fall of 2016. Uh, a then-anonymous person wrote an article called The Flight 93 Election, where you know, the, the analogy was made to you know, the, the, the fourth plane, the one right. that was brought down in the middle of Pennsylvania that otherwise would have been headed for the capital, and the behavior of the passengers in that plane who rushed the cockpit uh, in the belief that if they couldn't get control of the plane, uh, they would die and they had nothing to lose by trying. Uh, so, and, and that analogy is, is being revived for this campaign. Once again, it's Armageddon. Uh, and, uh, you know, Donald Trump is battling on their side, the Lord's side, against the forces of darkness. And, you know, I, and my experience is, that once people have reached a conclusion, they will then retrofit their interpretation of the evidence to comport with that conclusion. It's not as though the evidence is going to change the conclusion if it's held for such deep visceral reasons. That's what does where I this think say? We
0: are. What does this say about where America is right now?
1: Nothing. What does it say about America? <laughs> no, nothing good. I mean, we you know, which is why. Uh, I think that um, at this point, a majority of Americans are gravitating toward a more unifying and healing voice. I think, uh, I, you know, I, I think most, most Americans somewhere deep inside, even if they're part of this you know, hand-to-hand partisan combat, understand that this is not healthy for a society, that we would be better off if we were less divided.
0: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Has COVID-19 changed that William, obviously a very divisive world prior to COVID-19? Are we are we in that uniting mood now post COVID-19? Well, we realize we're better together.
1: Uh well, it potentially it could have worked out that way. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it has, because different elements of COVID-19 have become part of America's culture wars, mm. uh, symbol, symbolized by what the mask has become in American discourse, yeah. political as well as cultural. Uh, you know, and you know, for one side, it's common sense. For the other side, it's a sign of weakness. For one side, it's a sign of concern for others. You know, for the other side, it's a sign of deprivation of liberty. I could go on and on, Mm -hmm. right? The reaction—so the reaction to so many aspects of this crisis has been, you know, dyadic, uh, split, uh, that— that it has become one more way in which the pre-existing divisions are expressed. And so it not it has not been this grand unifying moment even though there has been a unified reaction around some components of it. I think there's a much broader uh, understanding now for the sacrifices that people on the very front lines, you know, whether they're doctors or nurses, uh, or, you know, or people who are picking up the garbage or people, uh, or, or people who are stalking the grocery stores for that matter. So that has, that has been unifying a renewed appreciation for people doing a dangerous job often with few either material or moral rewards. Uh, and, uh. You know, and and, and uh, there have been there have been instances obviously of entire communities that have come together around local institutions like like hospitals and clinics so in in those micro respects it's been unifying but in the macro political sense regrettably it hasn't been should have been but it hasn't
0: uh, obviously, this all started uh, the tapes and and in Donald Trump's perception of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, have surfaced. These originally February, March, uh, 18 ses- uh, sessions in total uh, that uh, Woodward and, and Trump had uh, an interview and such. Um, getting back to Woodward, Bob Woodward, does he owe? Uh, does he owe a responsibility here knowing this information back in February or March and waiting until September when his book is ready and there's another election to, to, to bring all this forth? The president mentioned if it was this bad, why didn't he mention it back in March? What are your thoughts on the ethics well, surrounding that?
1: There's, you know, you know, I could argue, I could argue that one either way, uh, and, you know, and, and Woodward has made a number of arguments in his own defense, which, if true, and he has a reputation for veracity, I think would go a long way towards rebutting the charges that are being made against him. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't I don't think it's a slam dunk case either way. Uh, I will say this. Uh, that uh, you know that you know he he was probably faced with a choice between immediate impact and broader impact so and we' we'll never will never be able to rerun history you know and, and, and do a controlled experiment uh, would the reinforcement Course, if Woodward had made this public, uh, I don't know. Nobody else does either, uh, and, and uh, you know I think it you know it, it you know it 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 could have been explained away, or at least it could have been turned into a, a two or three day story that wouldn't have fundamentally altered the course of events. Uh, hmm. that's Will have happened, but it might have happened. So we'll will never know. What we do know is that by delaying this until closer to the election, if it was going to have an impact uh, on the and politics, uh, the the chances that it would do so, I think, have been enhanced. Uh, and uh, but. I, I think we're going to have to wait a while to sort out the arguments for and against the position that Woodward should have, should have spoken up sooner.
0: Um, uh, why would Donald Trump sit down with Bob Woodward, you know, one of the guys that brought down Nixon and the, and the whole Watergate uh, issue? Uh, this guy's done a, a bazillion books on various presidents and such. Why would Donald Trump sit down with them? or have this interview over the phone, let alone do it 18 times. I mean, and, and didn't Donald Trump know that in those conversations, he has just greatly contradicted himself? Uh,
1: uh, it's clear that President Trump has considerable faith in his own persuasive power, his ability to charm and even, even to manipulate. And you know and the story the story has made the rounds and nobody has contradicted it that after Woodward's first book about his administration which was not kind the president the president was annoyed at his staff and annoyed may be mild uh, because uh, uh, because they had kept him away hadn't allowed him to do an interview with Woodward, and he, was con- he convinced himself that if only he had been making the case for himself, the first book would have come out differently. And so when the second book was in the early stages, the president apparently said, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to speak for myself. And he was so convinced that he could speak for himself that he bypassed the normal bureaucratic processes for setting up phone calls And gave Woodward a personal number, and they, you know, that that Woodward could call, and then Trump could call back without going through the normal process. And so a lot of these conversations were, I believe, unknown, especially the late night conversations, unknown to the staff. Uh, And this, uh, and the reality just began growing on them.
0: What does it say? what does it say when Donald Trump felt he could manipulate Bob Woodward? What does that think? And and what does that say? And, you know, thinking he, as long as he got the story across, he could convince Bob Woodward, uh, you know, of, of his feelings. And, and is Donald Trump obviously not feeling incredibly betrayed by getting that wrong? Uh, Donald
1: Trump betrayed himself. Right, you know, He betrayed himself through overconfidence. Uh he he betrayed him. you know he betrayed himself through ignorance I doubt very much that he'd read any of Woodward's previous books uh, and uh, therefore simply didn't understand how lethal uh, Bob Woodward can be when he simply gives public officials enough rope to hang themselves
0: Thank you so much for the time. William Gallison has been with his former policy advisor to President Clinton and presidential candidates. Thank you so much, William. Be well. Very good. It's been a pleasure. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.